0: Thanks for taking some time to listen to this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe God will speak to you right where you are. Now, let's take a moment and prepare our hearts to hear this week's message. We're so excited uh, about the second week in this series called Better that we've kind of began. How many of you are doing doing better so far this year? Are you doing better in your resolutions? Anybody? Like two of you. Okay, Awesome. I think that's typical. I think that's pretty typical, right? We're, we're already, you know, about a couple weeks almost into January. But we're not talking about doing better in specific areas of your life. That's, that's really not what this series is about, not you doing better in your health or finances. Those might be those things that, that you've resolved to do better in. But our heart really is to come alongside of you as you want to do better. Our heart is to encourage you in this season of of resolutions and making some changes in our life. But before I dive into what I believe God has for us today, uh, I want to invite you to be a part of something that we've never done before, that we're starting this, this year, this season, called Heart and Soul. And it's a night, Sunday, January 26th, that we are going to share the heart and soul of this house with the heart and soul of this house. The heart and soul are those of you that, that serve faithfully, that give faithfully, that, you know, are, are part of groups, that are leading a group. Really, it's for anyone in this room that really wants to move from being a consumer this year to a contributor. Or those of you that already have made that jump and we're going to come together, we're just going to worship we're going to celebrate some of our teams. You're going to hear some vision for what I believe God has for us in this coming season. It's just going to be a great night together, and we so desperately want you there that we'll even watch your kids, all right? That's how bad we want you there, because I've met some of your kids. But we want you here. We're going to feed them. We're not feeding you, but we're going to feed them. We're going to take care of them, all right, like, but we're just going to... Like, it's going to be a great night to come together. And you don't have to be a part of a team currently, but it's going to be a great opportunity to kind of hear a little bit about what's going on in this house. So I want to invite everybody to come back and be a part of that on January 26th. Mark your calendars. If you have your Bible, open it up to Mark, the Gospel of Mark. The story I want to talk about is also reflected in the Gospel of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 15. Uh, But this happens in Mark chapter 8. Starting in verse 1, and maybe this is the year, again, you bring a paper version of your Bible, take some notes, maybe you bring a journal uh, this year, and just kind of really lean in to all that God has for you as we kick off a new decade. Man, I love the fact, you know, that this is a new decade, a new season in our life. Mark chapter 8, verse 1 says this, that during those days, somebody say those days. You know what those days are? Those are the days that Jesus was gaining influence. Those days. Those days he was performing miracles that, that blind eyes were being you know, uh, healed, that people with, with diseases and sickness were being healed. And so everybody's hearing about this guy named Jesus who is doing all these amazing things. And so uh, you know, he's gaining some, some traction, he's gaining some momentum, people are coming out to see him from all over the place. Who is this guy? Maybe he's the Messiah, maybe he's the Savior, but he's obviously doing some amazing things during those days. Another large crowd gathered, and since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me three days and have had nothing to eat. How many of you know that's a long message right there? Three days. Some of you think I preach long, like I don't have anything on Jesus. You need to just suck it up, all right? Just saying. Verse 3, if I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way, because some of them have come a long distance. And his disciples answered him. And, and this is kind of the phrase that I think God has for us today. This is what I want to zero in on. They said, but where in this remote place? Somebody say this place. Yeah. Where in this place? This place of, of like nothing. Really, they're, that's what they're saying. Where in this place? Like where in this place of limited supply? Where in this place of, of no resource or are we going to be able to get enough bread to feed them? Them was 4,000 people, if you add the women and the children, probably 8,000 plus people at this time. Where in this remote place. I think I have a word for us today that will help to set the trajectory, really, of your year, maybe of your life, if you'll receive it. But can I tell you, this message will preach a lot better if you help me preach it, all right? Like, I can bring it, but you gotta help me bring it. So maybe you should lean in a little bit, practice some active listening if something connects with you, and who knows, we just might be here for three days, or maybe three hours at least, we'll see how long we go. Um, For most of us, when we're faced with a situation and a problem in life, maybe when it comes to trying to do better this year, you've perhaps already ran into some roadblocks, we either see that situation as an obstacle or an opportunity. It's usually one or the other. In fact, let's take a quick survey. How many of you would say the situations that you face in life, you see them as an obstacle? This is, by the way, this is a judgment-free zone, uh, much like Planet Fitness, all right, that you just signed up for recently. But let's just say when you face a situation in your life, you see it as an obstacle. Raise your hand if that's you. Like you just kind of analyze it, you see the obstacle in front of you. Okay. How many of you would say you see it as an opportunity? Raise your hand. It's like about 50-50, honestly. Some of you didn't play along. You're like, I'm not playing this stupid game. All right, that's fine. Some of you are like, I see both. I see the, the opportunity for obstacles. Thank you, Eeyore, right? We're glad that you're here today. The reality is we all see it generally as an opportunity or as an obstacle, and we see these things differently. And the challenge that I've found, uh, and it's hard because the place of opportunity is the same place of the obstacle. Did you know that? Like the place of the problem is the same place that has possibility. We can say it this way. The, the, the same place, the same uh, circumstance that could propel you into new things in your life is also the same place that can keep you stuck. So they both reside in the same place. And so oftentimes we, the lines are blurred between what's an obstacle in front of us and what is an opportunity for us to, to perhaps break through, perhaps to move to a, a new level in our life. I want to bring a message today around this idea that when it comes to getting better in this new year and in those challenges that we face, the problems that are in front of us, are you going to see them as obstacles or as opportunities? Are you going to see them as something that will limit you, as something that will be a problem for you, or are you going to see it as something that God could use to propel you into a new level, perhaps into a level that you've never seen before, a new level that you've never experienced before? It's all about how you see it. It's all about perspective. Someone say perspective. It's your perspective. Like, How do you see that problem that's in front of you? Because many of us we don't really pursue better in areas of our life. And I don't know what that is for you. I don't know what you're pursuing better in at the beginning of this year. It could be in your marriage. Uh, maybe you're participating with our 21 days of, of prayer and fasting, and we have so many people in the mornings coming together just seeking God, giving God, you know, the first of this year, saying, God, we don't want anything more than we want you in 2020. And so we're seeking God. But maybe you're seeking Him for your marriage. Maybe you're seeking Him for your for your job or your career, or maybe you just wanna be a better parent this year. You might say that there were some things that that you look back over 2019 and you could have handled differently or you would have done differently and you just wanna be a better mom, which I would just say, hey, mom, you're probably doing a lot better than you think you are. You should know that. You have the toughest job on the planet. Just throwing that out there like, (laughs) you're doing a great job. But I don't know what you're seeking him for and becoming better in or want to get better in, but we don't pursue... Better really pursue it because we think we are limited, and the reality is we are limited. That's not meant to discourage you, but you're limited. Did you know that? Like, I'm limited. We all have, have limits in our life. Um, we, are, we have a limited amount of time, right? Like we wish we had more time. People say that all the time. I wish I had more time. We have limited resources, you know, uh, you know unless you're Bill Gates, who has $110 billion, right? I would say even he would say he has limited resources because how far really does $110 billion stretch when you think about it? Like after you pay for the car and the house and the gas, what's left over? Approximately $110 billion is still left over. But we all are limited, even in our resources. And if you would say that you have resources like that, you and I need to sit down and have lunch, all right? We need to talk. I got some vision in my heart. I got some things I think God wants us to build. I will help your resources do a lot for the kingdom of God. So we should, we should have a conversation. But the reality is we're all limited. We're, we have a limited intellect. And I don't mean any disrespect by that. I'm just saying we, we're limited. We have limited educational experiences in our life. We have limited life experiences. Some of us have less, some of us have more. We all have different, right, are you with me? But we all have a a limited life experience. We all have limited personal growth. No matter how active you are in pursuing your own personal growth in life, we have a limited um, personal growth. We have limits. And I say that because sometimes we falsely believe that out there, somewhere in the future, when I don't have any more limits, then I'll pursue God. Or out there in the future when there's no more barriers, there's no more restrictions, there's no more limits in my life, then I'll do all that God asked me to do. And it comes up in conversation because people will say, hey, Colby, when I have more time, when I just have more time, you know, then I will do all that God asked me to do. Which, by the way, if you ever find that place that you have more time, please let me know. Because I'd like to find it too, right? I've just discovered that I've, the most time I ever had in my life was when I was an infant, like sucking my thumb and laying in bed. Ever since then, come on, somebody just goes faster and faster and faster. And I just say that because we have limits. Are you with me? And there's not gonna be this magical place in the future you know, where we are, we no longer have limits. In fact, you could say it like this, that we all live in a box. I'm not saying your house is a box. I'm just saying that we all live, like our life is like a box, that we have certain limits in our box. We have certain boundaries, right, to our life. We have certain barriers in our life. We have certain amount of time, right? That could be a limit, this is my time. Like I can't do anything about that. Or we have certain financial limits in our box. You know, that's, that's my limit. We have life experience limits in my box. This is kinda weird, me doing, whoa. I going to fall out of this box. We have certain limits. Are you with me in our box? We have limited opportunities. We have limited resources. Now, you can push your limits, right? You can stretch your limits. You can increase them. You can increase your intellectual limit. You can go to school. Don't be a fool. Stay in school, right? Like, you can go to school, and you can increase your intellectual capacity. Uh, You can add streams of revenue into your income, and you could maybe increase your, your revenue, your income, and that's great if God opens a door for you to do that, by the way. Like, do it. Like, God gives us a gift. One of them are, are, is the gift of generosity. And God blesses you, by the way, not for you to hold on to, but for you to be a blessing to the world around you, right? He blesses you to be a conduit so it would flow through you to a world that desperately needs it. But that could be a limit that you could increase. Like, you could increase the limit of your uh, personal experience, and I would say maybe this is the year that you do that. Maybe you step outside of yourself a little bit. Maybe you, you know, put yourself in different situations or scenarios. Maybe you get around some people that don't look like you. There's a thought. They don't think like you or act like you or, or have the same ideas as you. Maybe you should broaden your perspective a little bit. This year I would encourage you to do that. But there are certain limits that we can stretch. However, all that to say, if you do increase the limit, all you've done now is giving yourself a new set of limits. Are you with me? Like you still have limits. We all have limits. And so what I wanna say is maybe this year, instead of thinking of ways to get beyond your box, to get outside of your box, it's not so much about getting outside of your box as it is about learning to do something different with the box that you've been given. Are you with me? Learning to do something different with what God has given you, with what he's placed in your box. You remember when people used to say, it was kind of a, a phrase that was used in business circles or in marketing. They'd say something like, hey, think outside the box. You remember that? Some of you are like, I said that this week. Well, you should stop. All right, I'm just saying. Like, phrases have a shelf life. That's like, what's up, what's up? Like, you should stop doing that if you're still doing that. But people used to say, think outside the box. Can I tell you something? You can't do it. You can't think outside of your box because that's your box. That's your limit. That's your your capacity that you've been been given. You can't think outside of it. You need to learn to live inside of your box. No matter how big it is or how small it is, you only have what's in your box. Are you with me? You know how at Christmas time, you know, because it was just a few weeks ago, like if you have children under two, um, generally you can put a present under the tree and wrap it up and they're super excited about it and they open it up and then they get out the toy and then what do they play with? The box. You did all that you know, effort and energy into wrapping it up and then they just play with the box. It was, uh, I don't know, last, not this Christmas, but last Christmas we gave my son Gray, who is two, uh, now an older two, so he was close to two, uh, uh, this tool bench. He wanted tools. Somewhere along the line, He got this idea in his head that in order to be like Daddy, he needed to have tools. I don't know where he got that from. (laughs) Like, I want to get a tool bench, you know, tools like my dad. I'm like, okay, that's fine. You know, at least it wasn't like, oh, I want to get a gift card to Massage Envy like my dad, which that would have been more realistic. All right, just throwing that out there. But I gave him this tool bench thing, and he unwraps it, and we take the thing out. And what does he play with? The box. And I'm like, yo, dummy. Because I'm an encouraging father. I said, dummy, the, play with the tools that I got you. Right? Play with the $50 tool bench that has, you know, that took me five hours to put together. Dads, you know what I'm talking about. Like, I, like play with that. Instead, he thought the box was amazing. That it was unbelievable. But there was this whole new opportunity for him. See, what I saw as a limit, what I saw as a barrier, what I saw as an obstacle that he had to overcome to get what really mattered, to get the real fun, he saw as an opportunity for a blessing. Are you with me? Hey, maybe this year, you see your box not as a limiter, but as something God can leverage to do a breakthrough in your life. Are you with me? Come on. Like, that's, that's the goal. Not to see it as something that will be an obstacle to you, But maybe it's something that's an opportunity for God to use. I'm going to fall out of this thing. (laughs) To accomplish a breakthrough in your your life. Is it a barrier or is it an opportunity for God to bless you? It all depends on how you see it. Now I would love to be able to bring you a message perhaps that says, hey, this year God's going to give you a new one of these. That God's going to give you a new box. That would be a fun message to preach. Hey, God's going to give you a new box in your marriage. That your marriage is gonna be like, like brand new. I didn't say he's gonna give you a new marriage, right? He's gonna give you a new box in your marriage. That maybe this year, this is the year God's gonna give you a new box in your finances. That God is gonna bless you, that he's gonna increase your bank account. Like, I, that would be a fun message to preach, I just don't know if that would be true. Because a couple months from now, you'd be like, hey, hey, preacher, where's my new box? Where's my new box? Instead of this year, maybe... It's not so much about um, what's outside of the box, but it's about looking at what you already have in a new way, about looking at your box differently. I don't know if God will give you a new box, but I do know you can work the box that you got. Come on, somebody, work the box that you have. So maybe it's not, hey, God's gonna do a new thing in my marriage, maybe it's you need to work the marriage that you got. Maybe it's not God's going to do a new thing in my finances. God's going to increase my budget. Maybe you need to work the budget that you got. Are you with me? Like maybe that's the perspective that you need to take this year, to look at what you already have in a different, in a different way. And that's what the, the disciples were in this place of like, we're here. Like with limited supply, with nothing, like like. Where in this place am I going to have enough resource? Where in this place am I going to find enough? See, a lot of times we pray like this to God. We say, God, save me. God, rescue me. Like we want God to be our rescuer, right? Like we want God to to save us from from what's going on in our life. And God's like, no, I just, I want to get into your box with you. God, save me from this storm I'm in. God's like, no, I want to get into the boat with you. It's not that I want to change the storm. I want to change you in the storm. I want to change the way that you view that storm in your life. Because a lot of times we look at what we lack and that's all we see. And God's like, no, I want to, I want to change your perception this year. Maybe what what you think that you lack that I can leverage to do something amazing in your life. How many of you uh, are grateful? Or how many of you can give praise to God for a time in your life where you thought what you had was lack, but he used that lack to leverage it for something amazing? Where you came to God and said, God, I don't know how we're gonna pay for this rent. I don't know how we're gonna pay for this meal. But God, used that opportunity to do something amazing in your life. We have stories like that. Did you know that God... Uh, the Bible says, and I think if you seek him this year, right? If you, if you seek me, you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. He also says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you, will be given unto you, like what you think you lack in. So he says, if you seek me, something you should know about God is that he can only occupy an empty space. And as we pour ourselves out and we seek him first, we seek him first. We say, God, I'll pour out this, this bitterness. i pour out my, my resentment or my anxiety or my doubt. I'm going to seek you first. I'm going I'm to remove that. I'm going to subtract that from my life. Then all those things are added unto you. In fact, it's God's addition works through my subtraction. As I empty myself, as I pour out myself. So a lot of times what we see is lack in our box. God wants to use as an opportunity an opportunity to, to bless you, to take you to new levels, to new breakthroughs. So how do we do that? How do we see this, right? This box as an opportunity. I want to give you three things that I see in this text. Uh, and I think you should jot these down. Maybe you don't need them today, but I believe that you will at some point in this year. But three things uh, in order to see our box as an opportunity, not as an obstacle. This is the first one. Jot it down. you got to be willing or to embrace change. Write that down. Embrace change change how many of you are okay with change until you got to until you got to change come on I'm okay with change in my life if I initiate it like if 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 I because if I initiate the change in my life I get to determine the the speed at which I change I get to determine the the level of my comfort with that change but when change is imposed on me like that's a different story are you with me like when they change my, my cell phone charger plug port thing one more stinking time, right? So now I have to get a different phone, and I have all these chargers that are useless. You know, I don't, I don't like it when the change is imposed on me. Like I, I'll change my tires. I'll change my oil when I think it's necessary. But when I have to get an inspection, and that change is imposed on me, are you with me? You have to change your tires. You have to change your brakes. Like everything, you know, it seems like. Like, I'm okay with change that I initiate, but it's when change is imposed on me that I'm not so okay with. That's why you keep going to the doctor, and the doctor keeps telling you, hey, you got to change your diet, because your levels are too high, your cholesterol is too high, and and the doctor's having that conversation with you, and in your mind you're going, I think I'm going to leave here and get a cheeseburger after this, right? (laughs) Because you don't have any intention of changing, because that change is imposed on you. Or, or that's why you go to Planet Fitness at the beginning of the year, and they tell you what you do, and you spend three days, you know, doing the weights, and then they tell you it's 90% diet, and you're like, well, it was fun while it lasted, right? You're like, no way. You know, I, you know, three days this year. You know, that's two more days than I did last year, so that's good. Like, we're okay with change until it's imposed on us. Why is that? Because we don't like to change. Who was it that said that we only change when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change? We see change as as painful. Change is something that that hurts us. I was in college um, and I broke my wrist playing soccer at Asbury University and I didn't do anything about it because at the same time I was on what was called the tumbling team. And it sounds as stupid, it's as stupid as you think. So it's, it's like, we did gymnastic types of things. We did, like, half-time you know, shows at the basketball games, like flip dunks, all that kind of stuff. But I was on it. Come on, somebody. Because my future wife was on it. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she was on it. I'm like, I'm joining that team. I'm going to be a part of that. And so she was on the team, and she was my stunt, stunting partner, um, which is, you know, you do partner stunts. You throw people up, basket tosses. You catch them, all that kind of stuff is like cheerleading, but not like cheerleading, which I know I just lost a ton of respect right there, and I told you. <laughs> but I only did it because she was my partner, and I would throw her up, and she would have to land on my hand with her butt. <laughs> but the problem was I had broken my wrist, and I didn't want to do anything about it. And she kept on, you know, she's like, come on, suck it up, let's go, let's go. I'm like, oh, oh, you know, it hurts so bad. And until I was willing to to change, to do something about it, I had to get two screws put in my wrist. Like, I was just going to continue to deal with that pain, continue to deal with, you know, that hurting. A lot of times we don't change because we think that there's pain involved. Can I tell you something? There's pain involved either way. You're still going to experience pain if you stay in your box. You're still going to experience the pain of, of last year repeating itself over and over, the, the pain of the year before that repeating itself, like you're still gonna experience some pain. We have to learn to embrace that pain of change in order to change, because what, what that change will produce is something that we desperately want and need in our life, but we don't like to change, which is why many of us, come on, we come to church, we we'll here's hear some things that we need to do differently, maybe get a little conviction, in our spirit about some things God wants us to do differently, but we'll walk out of these doors not changing a thing because we don't like to change. Uh, And a lot of times we think that it's not us that needs to change, it's someone else. Are you with me? Like someone else needs to change. I don't need to change. I'm good the way I am. It's that person that needs to change. Like I don't need it. They need it. Like they need the change that I need is for you to change. Like, well, if, if she would nag me so much, then our marriage would be a whole lot better. Or, well, well, if he would romance me a little bit more, then he could, you know. Like, we always, we think that the, the change that we need determines uh, our ability to, to live life to the fullest based on whether someone else changes or not. Can I tell you something? You can't control their box, You can't determine whether they're going to change or not. You have to get to that place where you say, all right, I'm going to change what I can change. I'm going to embrace the change in my life. I'm going to bring the best version of me to every situation that I'm in, and I'm not going to worry about your box. I'm not going to worry about your box. I'm not going to worry about your box. I'm going to change what I can change. Are you with me? Like, I'm going to control what I can control, and maybe there's some pride that I need to get rid of. Maybe there's some bitterness in my, my life that I need to release. Maybe there's some forgiveness that I've been holding on to that I need to forgive someone in my life. Like, I'm going to control what I can control, and I can only control what's in my box. Can't try to change someone else. Like, you have to determine to be the best you. And the disciples only saw the obstacle that this remote place presented and they're like, where can I get in this this place, right? Where where can I get in this remote place of no supply? They saw it as an obstacle. Or you could see it as an obstacle or an opportunity. And I guarantee you that after, after this day, by the way, this is the, the feeding of the 4,000, which some of you are like, no, nah, there was 5,000. There was actually two different times in the Bible that records this, this incredible, miraculous, like, time that Jesus fed these thousands of people with a very little. I guarantee you that after things changed that that day they saw Jesus differently. The next time a bunch of hungry people were following them on a hillside, they weren't like, hey, we're in this place, right? We're in this place where we're gonna be able to find something, this place of no supply. Somebody was like, hey, all we need is one one waffle fry from Chick-fil-A and Jesus will take it and bless it and he'll feed 4,000 people on one waffle fry. Are you with me? With Chick-fil-A dipping sauce. I wanna throw that in there. Sorry for those of you that are fasting, right? But I bet you didn't have to, they didn't have to wonder. Why? Because they were changed. And they embraced that change. All I'm saying is to start with, what is it that you have to change? Not someone else. Not your husband. Not your wife. You. What is it that you have to change? Here's the second thing. Write it down. We have to eliminate excuses. Yeah, ooh. Right? Right? feel like this will strike a nerve right here because some of us have an excuse for everything in the world like we live in a box full of excuses we've never we've never done anything different we've never experienced anything we've never taken steps towards you know what god has for our life it's just been one excuse after the other after the other well if if she had just this or if he had just that or if my boss would just or if my teacher would just it's one excuse after the other. And I'm not saying that, that you haven't gone through some tough things. I'm not saying that life hasn't served you up some difficult circumstances. I'm just saying, have you owned what's in your box? Because you made it. In many ways, you made the box that you're in. Like you created it, how, no matter how big it is or how small it is, right? You created it. So if you were in a financial hole, where you'd say, I don't know how, you know, I'm going to make ends meet. I don't know where it's going to come from. Hey, you're the one that was spending more than you made. You're the one that, that applied for the credit card because you wanted the free T-shirt. You're the one that, you know, then swiped it at the store. You're the one that signed the loan for the car payment that you could not afford, right? You're, you're the one that, that signed the loan on the mortgage, right? In a lot of ways, you made that box that you're in. So I'm not, I'm not asking you, you know, to excuse it. I'm saying, what can you change? What is it that, that you can own? Like if you'd say, my marriage is, is on the rocks, you know, it's, it's not working. I would ask you, are you working? Are you working on it? Like t- marriage takes time, effort, and intentionality. And a lot of times we, we try to excuse it and say it's someone else's fault for this situation. I think this year you need to determine that I'm gonna have an excuse-free box. Are you with me? I'm gonna have an excuse-free box. Like no more excuses. Like somebody comes up to you with a bunch of excuses. You say, ah, stop right there. This is an excuse-free box that I have. Like I'm detoxing from excuses. I, I'm an excuseaholic, and this is the year that I'm going to own my stuff. I'm going to own what it is that I can own because I'm not going to let any excuse be a barrier to what God wants to do in through my life. Are you with me? So you have to embrace change. You have to, and not someone else's change, right, your change. And I'm not saying that people in your life don't need to change. I'm not saying there aren't people in your life that don't bring drama to your life, but I am just saying you. Like, what do you need to change? Psalm 139 says, um, like, seek me, oh God, search me if there's any offensive way in me, like, lead me in the way everlasting. Maybe you need to ask God, what is it inside of you that you need to change? And then we have to stop excuses in our life and say, this is the year, this is the year. No more excuses, they're not gonna be a barrier to God blessing me. Like, I'm no longer gonna be the victim. I'm gonna have victory in Jesus' name. Like, this is the year. No more excuses. Here's the last one. Here's the last one. I'm gonna have the band come out and help me shut this down. And that is we need to exercise obedience. Exercise obedience. Embrace change, eliminate excuses, and exercise obedience. The Bible goes on to tell us in the story that they found that they had seven loaves and a few fish. It doesn't give us an exact number. It says a few fish, right? When they did the feeding of the 5,000, it was this little boy that presented them with five loaves and two fish. That was it. So this is is a different account. They had seven loaves and a few fish. And here's what's fascinating to me about this account and really about the account of the feeding of the 5,000 is that this miracle that took place on this hillside didn't happen in the hand of Jesus. Like, as best as I can read it, right, it it appears that it, that it wasn't Jesus, in Jesus's hand that the miracle actually took place. It says he blessed it, he prayed over it, and then it wasn't like he said amen and poof, all of a sudden there were these, you know, banquet tables lined up with enough, you know, kind of rose for for these thousands of people to come through and enough tongs and serving spoons and sterno and all that kind of stuff and and everybody ate that's not what it says it says he blessed it and then he gave it to the disciples in fact read it with me it says this he told the crowd sit down on the ground so thousands of people eight thousand plus people sit down sit down sit down And i got to imagine they're they're spread out, right, for distances. And they're like, sit down. And so everybody, sit down. And so you see pockets of people starting to sit down, sit down, all over the place. And he set them down. And then he had taken the seven loaves, and he gave thanks, and he broke them, and he gave them to the disciples. Gave them, gave the seven loaves to the disciples to distribute them to the people, and they did so. Continue reading. It says they had a few small fish as well. He gave thanks for them as well. And he told the disciples to distribute them. So it looked like something like this. He, he took the bread. So there's seven loaves of bread. There's 12 disciples. So he divided seven into twelve, right? And he just broke it. Here you go. Here you go. Here you go. Here you go. Seven. A few fish. Here you go. Here you go. And so the disciples are holding, I don't know, a little piece of bread, a little piece of fish. And he's like, you take it out. of people. and children as well. Everybody was fed. The miracle didn't happen in Jesus' box. It happened in the box of the disciples, we could say, in their hands. What if, what if one of them had said, I'm not doing it. Like, I'm not going to obey. Like, I can't see it happening. I can't see how you're going to feed these thousands of people on this. Like, I'm not doing it. I'm going to sit right here. Today, I'm not going to be obedient. What if What if one of the disciples, let's say it was Peter. Actually, let's not say it was Peter. Everybody always uses Peter. Let's say it was Jude. Nobody talks about Jude, all right? Also known as Thaddeus. Let's say it was Thaddeus. Thad had a bad attitude. And Thad said, I'm not doing it. I don't see it. I can't imagine how this is going to be possible. What if he had had said that? And the other disciples, the 11, came back and said, hey, you missed it. Like you missed it as I was feeding this row and I got to the end of it. Like I had more for the next row and then the next row and everybody was fed and there was some left over. Do you know those 11 disciples, their box, their limits would have just increased. Like their faith would have exploded. They would have experienced Jesus in a way they never had before because they were obedient. But if one had said, I'm I'm not going to do it, he never would have experienced the blessing. Never would have experienced Jesus taking what was an obstacle that they perceived it to be and turning it into this blessing that they could have never experienced in their life. I was talking to a guy during our 21 days of prayer and fasting and he said to me, he said Colby it seems like I'm never getting my breakthrough. It seems like it's happening for her and for him and for them but it doesn't seem like it ever happens for me. Has anybody ever been there? Like I'm seeking God. I'm, I'm in my box, but it just doesn't seem like I'm getting my, my breakthrough. We determined that maybe this is the year that you would stop uh, excusing everything. That this is the year that you would embrace the change that God wants to happen in your life. Like if you want something different in your life, you got to do something different in your life. Are you with me? That this is the year that you would practice radical obedience. That even if God is doing it for him and for him and for him, this is the year I'm going to get mine. That I'm not going to see this as an obstacle, but I'm going to see this as an opportunity for God to take me to a new level that I've never been before. Come on, stand up on your feet because God wants to. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast, and we hope you enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com forward slash yes. There will be some practical resources that will help you as you start this awesome journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church, to see people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, you can do so by going to elevatechurch.com forward slash give.